today's episode of Lost in Twin Peaks covers the uh, lore storylines of the episode, so going scene by scene through each of these story threads, and uh, looking at them as scenes in this case, but split up by narrative. Here are the different scenes in this episode. For the Laura story in the murder plot, we have Cooper telling Lucy and Harry about his dream, and then they are, their breakfast is interrupted when they hear about Albert causing a scene down at the morgue. We go to the morgue, we see Doc and Albert fighting over Laura's corpse. Doc wants to, Doc Hayward wants to uh, take it so that they can prepare for the funeral, and Albert wants to finish his autopsy. Ben is there, tries to intervene, says he's there on behalf of the Palmers. Albert's not having it. Coop and Harry show up, and Harry and Albert end up getting into a fight. And Harry punches him, and Albert lands on top of Laura's body and is told by Coop, finish up, we got to get the funeral going. So Ben is there as a representative of the Palmers. That's something that's introduced in an earlier scene that was cut in another episode where Leland was supposed to be calling the funeral home and getting really agitated and upset, and Ben intervenes and says, I'll take over from here. And that was going to be our first indication, I think it was way back in episode one, that Leland was having real trouble and having, you know, kind of breaking down a little bit with all of this. So without that, it ends up being the uh, dancing with the portrait scene that shows us that for the first time. And with Ben in this scene, notice how he's like a little stiff and formal and flowery in this sort of way that Albert pinpoints. Like Cooper, his persona feels different than episode two. You can really notice the missing episode here because the zanier Ben is something that Lynch brought out. So we're almost reverting back to a different vision of Ben in this episode because of that. Next up we have, uh, for this murder plot, we have Cooper and Truman going to Leo's house and questioning him. They know that he's lying when he says he didn't know Laura. And uh, it's funny how, like, everything they say he has an answer for, but it's, like, a ridiculous answer. It's like they say, you know, do you have a criminal record? No, I'm, I'm clean. Okay, and then they list his record. I served my time, and all of this stuff is, like, charges dropped or spent a night in jail. It's, it served my debt to society, he says. It's it's so absurd. You know, he's just obstinate. Like, uh, there's nothing likable that's been shown about this character so far. And then finally, for the murder plot, we have Albert sharing his results with Cooper and Truman. We already went through that in detail, uh, what he shows them. He's got a little video image frozen there of, like, the shoulders with the bites and stuff. And he's tossing out all the envelopes, opening the files. And when Harry tries to sort of comment, when he says, when Albert says that there's claw marks and bite marks... Uh, Harry says, oh, like an animal. And Albert points at him and says, look, it's trying to think. For the Palmer family life, we have Maddie arriving and embracing Leland. So Madeline Ferguson is this new character played, of course, by Cheryl Lee, who plays Laura Palmer. This is the way they found to bring this actress back, who they wanted to bring in. So, you know, what's her involvement? What was her relationship to Laura? We don't really know any of that yet, but Leland certainly seems both relieved and and kind of forlorn to see her, and she's crying as they embrace. So they've all just lost this family member and are kind of reeling in shock. Also, as part of this plot, we have Leland leaping on the casket at the funeral. Uh, that's a scene that's an interesting mixture of comedy and tragedy. I've heard people say, like, when he leaps on the casket, it's, you know kind of sad but then when we see him going up and down it just becomes so absurd that it's funny i almost feel the opposite i laugh harder at the moment where he's just like and he just like falls out of the frame it's so even after i've seen it a million times it's so unexpected uh so you know we then see uh shelly in the diner making fun of this gesture of of leland toppling into uh 
the thing. She she puts her fingers down on top of the napkin dispenser, going eh, eh, showing how the coffin got stuck and was going up and down with the machine, lowering it in there with him on top. And these two old folks are laughing hysterically as she says this. So it's kind of pointing to the fact the show knows that this was kind of funny, even if it's also kind of sad. And at the funeral, Sarah's leaning down and she goes, Leland, don't ruin this too. So it kind of goes with her line in the other episode of what's going on in this house. Just she's like overwhelmed and kind of confused by all this chaos. And then finally, uh, I should mention too, I mentioned the old folks laughing. Something about the way they're laughing is almost kind of sinister. And it reminds me of the old couple in Mulholland Drive in the back of the limousine who uh, we see when another character is not looking at them and they're just grinning ear to ear and their eyes are wide open and it's one of the most chilling things I've ever seen. So this doesn't quite have that character, but it does feel a little similar, even though Lynch wasn't there for it. Finally, with the Palmer family life, we have Leland uh, on the dance floor at the end of the episode, just kind of holding himself there, clenching his fists. He wants to kind of... It's it's like he wants to get back in touch with Laura somehow, and then the music starts playing. And he starts dancing. He's reaching out for the different people. Come, come dance with me. Will you dance with me? And everyone's just weirded out. So this guy is just having a total breakdown at this point. Uh, it's gone from kind of he was the sturdy, steady one comforting Sarah to now she's just still distressed but befuddled, kind of in the corner as he or, or not even there as as he goes off on this. So he's becoming kind of the carrier of this immense grief in Twin Peaks. For the relationship uh, to Bobby, Laura's relationship, we have Bobby uh, with his dad getting really angry and saying he's going to turn law, he's going to, I'm going to turn that funeral upside down. You know, he's just got a real chip on his shoulder. And it's like the, you know, the, the fact that his girlfriend just died, which is something we could almost forget about in the last couple episodes is now really present there and then at the funeral uh, when johnny horn shouts out amen bobby just jumps right in and screams amen and he gives that whole speech which i excerpted in the beginning and which i talked about as part of kind of the uh clues about her life leading up to the murder that we get that maybe helps us maybe start to understand what happened or what people knew or what they didn't it's it seems like he's speaking kind of abstractly everybody knew something was wrong we all killed her but what does it mean does it mean more than that you know bobby calls all of them out and then uh he fights james he, he james races towards him and he races towards james and it's like this explosive moment that's been building up for episodes as they stood in the jail cell and looked at him he's just had it and uh you know, we're almost kind of surprised, like, we've been geared to sympathize with James, but we totally understand where Bobby's coming from, his rage in this moment. So, speaking of the relationship to James, uh, James shows up at Ed and Nadine's house before the funeral, and he says, I'm not going, I can't go, and he runs off again and gets back on his bike, but there he is at the funeral. Cooper notices him standing off to the side, he walks up from behind the crowd, and uh, he, you know, like I said, he when Bobby says, the line that triggers James's attack is Bobby says she would have laughed at us anyways. And James just can't stand this idea of Laura as this kind of mocking person. And so he races at Bobby and they, they have to be broken up. We don't get anything on the Lauren Donna story in this episode. For Lauren Renette, uh, as I've said numerous times, both worked at Perfume Counter. If I say that one more time, it fits into several different categories. But yeah, I think we've established that and that she was tied with the same twine. For the therapy story, uh, Jacoby is seen comforting Johnny Horn in the Great Northern. 
Uh, he's he gets him to take off his headdress, which uh, Ben and Sylvia are really frustrated with him for wearing. Uh, he can't wear it to the funeral, and Jacoby gets him to take it off with a very just gentle, soothing kind of rocking back and forth. This is the first time we've seen Jacoby dealing with a patient, and it's kind of a nice surprise because he's just comes off so badly in the pilot and then he's kind of weird in episode one and now we're sort of seeing oh no okay like there is something to this guy there's a reason laura was going to him he's good at what he does even if he's kind of you know weird in other ways Uh, and then later at the end of the episode we see jacoby at laura's grave he didn't go to the funerals one of the few townspeople who didn't show up there he just says he couldn't be there and he explains, as he said, uh, you know, how the impact Laura had on his life. He, he had stopped caring about his patients, thought he could never care again until she came along. Then we have the addiction story. Albert reveals the toxicology, traces and diaries. So that, that settles it. Uh, Laura did have a, a cocaine habit. How much of a habit, we don't know. But it's not coincidence or it's not circumstantial, I guess, that there was cocaine uh, that, that Cooper discovered way back in the pilot. She was a drug user done settled for the drug dealing uh, storyline though we don't have anything involving laura's part in that in this episode it's all involving other people for the charity storyline we have jacoby comforting johnny which uh as i mentioned you know i mentioned what it tells us about jacoby but also shows us how much johnny was really devoted to laura we got a sense of that in the pilot as he banged his head in frustration that she wasn't coming but now it's like he's just he's feeling this loss as strongly as anybody and then at the funeral after the preacher delivers his eulogy, Johnny shouts, Amen, and it's sort of this cathartic moment for him, it feels like, even if it's quickly interrupted by Bobby. At that funeral, he's clutching an old copy of Peter Pan. This was the actor's idea to bring this to the uh, to the location and do that. Actually, I'm pretty sure you can see this same book on the table in episode two with all of my lengthy uh, descriptions of every intricate detail in the opening minute. Of that episode, I somehow forgot to mention that the character has a book on the table next to him as he doesn't eat. For the sex work part of the storyline, Cooper wonders if Laura worked at One Eye Jacks. He asks Audrey about it, and she doesn't know. So all we have to go by is, you know, the counter. But we don't uh, know yet if she worked at One Eye Jacks, but it's put out there pretty openly that uh, it's a distinct possibility. For Laura and Leo, Leo is adamant about not knowing Laura, which is an interesting tack to take. Why not say, oh yeah, I ran into her at this or that. It's like whatever the way he knew her, and we know he knew her because of stuff he says to Bobby in the previous episode, uh, he can't be upfront about that connection somehow. And then for some of the Laura stories that were introduced just a couple episodes ago, not in the pilot, we have the spirituality of Laura. We have the preacher giving the eulogy at the funeral, talking about her religious history, but you know, we also learned that Laura would have laughed at everyone's prayers. So there's a sense that, well, she was involved with religion just because it was sort of expected her in her community. Whatever spirituality she has that we see manifested in these visions and anecdotes and things like that, it's not really about organized religion. It's something different from that. And then later at the Great Northern, Hawk uh, tells Cooper about the Blackfoot legend about souls that wander the earth, and Cooper wonders if that has something to do with Laura. So that's kind of a nice moment, a nice scene there. I I love the fact that uh, Harry's off with Josie, so we have kind of this excuse for Hawk and Cooper to bond here. And it's, it's, uh, it's a good moment for the character, particularly considering that like earlier in the Bookhouse Boys scene, I don't think Hawk has a single line. He just sits there and kind of nods and grimaces so it's nice to actually hear him say something in this part we don't get anything for the mystery man storyline for the second episode in a row we get nothing about the log lady's vision so whatever her log saw or heard that night still don't know 
but she is at the funeral, so we do get to see her. And from uh, Laura's story is introduced in the previous episode, the, we have the Laura and Ben storyline where uh, Audrey reveals that Laura worked for her dad, and she says that kind of funny line about how, uh, you know, it's, she worked at Horn's department store, she kind of <laughs> chuckles and rolls her eyes, you know, he named it after himself. There are no new Laura stories introduced this episode. Everything that we see involving her really has more to do with stuff that we've ar- that has already been established. Although it does look like some non-Laura subplots, like One-Eyed Jacks, may end up having a reason to be folded into this section later. Please rate, review, and subscribe to support this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And uh, you can also follow my work, uh, support my work on patreon.com slash lostinthemovies. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow we'll be back with the subplots, the non-Lara storylines in this episode, uh, going scene by scene through those threads. Mm